0: Good morning. Welcome here. I'm glad that you're all here this morning. Let's start by uh, singing our first hymn this morning Come, Let Us All Unite to Sing. And why don't we stand for this one? Number 528 Come, Let Us All Unite to Sing. me. Mm-hmm. told me this morning that was that was their favorite song so I hope some of you were encouraged by that. This morning for an opening I want to first of all greet you in the name of our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ the blessed and only sovereign the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has invited us here today and so we want to uh, rejoice in that. And I trust that we'll be mutually encouraged by each other's faith as we worship together this morning. I want to read a little bit from uh, Psalm 104, a few verses at the beginning and a few verses at the end. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took flight. The mountains rose, The valleys sank down to the place that you had appointed for them. And this psalm then goes on to acknowledge a great many of the mighty works that the Lord has done and which only he can do. And then it ends with uh, these words. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. And these words at the end of this psalm, they They echo for me the words of Isaiah in chapter 45, where the Lord says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. The Lord who creates and blesses also judges and punishes. And as the world rocks and reels from one calamity after another, the Lord is not uninvolved. Therefore, let us walk in the fear of the Lord, for there is no injustice or, impart or partiality with our God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come before you this morning knowing that you are God and we are not. I thank you, Father, that you have instructed us to bend the knee and to humble ourselves so that we might know this truth. Father, we recognize as we look around at the events of this world that many things are beyond our control, but they are not beyond your control. We know that you are a God who loves good things, and you hate evil, and yet you have given mankind enough rope to plan evil and carry it out. And so we look at the events of the world, and in some sense it causes us to tremble, but in you, we can place our faith, and in you we take strength. And so, Father, we've gathered here this hour to worship you, to acknowledge that you are God, and to humble ourselves before you. Teach us, Father, what it means to fear you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's keep on worshiping together with singing. Let's turn in our hymnbooks to number five three five. How Great Thou Art! 535. Song for a great God. Let's turn to number 541 and sing Marvelous Grace. Marvelous Grace of our loving Lord. 541. To our bulletin for just a few minutes. Our missionaries of the week are Dawn and Shar Epp. I would encourage you to make a point to send them a note of encouragement or give them a call and let them know that we are thinking of them and praying for them. Also, uh, we have had, uh, or concerning the planning for our future, our church has had some meetings already. Um, The last one was this last Monday. And uh, it, was, it was a very good meeting, a lot of uh, discussion, people were sharing their thoughts, and it was very good to see, see us get engaged. And we heard uh, other thoughts, uh, um, thoughts that were new to the process. Uh, there were the 50 that started, but now we had it at membership, and more people were contributing. Just a very healthy discussion, I think. And there will be opportunity for you to put questions and comments in a box in the foyer, And these uh, questions and comments can be addressed at a later meeting. The uh, Missions Committee has put forward a motion which we will vote on on uh, March 27. And you can read the motion there. The Missions Committee moves that the Winkler-Burchtaller Mennonite Church commit to the refugee sponsorship of Safari Mouhanouzi and his family. So something to think and pray about until that time. Winkler Bible Camp is holding a Drive through fundraiser, another one on March 22nd. That day you won't have to cook supper, so be involved there and contribute. And then a look at uh, people in our church who are suffering. Dorothy Giesbrecht is in the hospital, two broken ankles. Pray for her. It's going to be a long road for, to recovery. And uh, it'll be long for Frank, too. Also, uh, uh, chatted with Wally yesterday, Wally and Elma. He has been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and it has spread beyond the prostate, so there's, a, there's concern there. But uh, it was interesting. They were telling me that uh, they were reading up on some of the literature that's available, or reading in the literature that's available, and they were told by the doctor, even the stuff that's, you know, three years old is out of date, so don't read too much. And So that's kind of exciting that, that you know, such advancements are being made in, in medicine that uh, they, what two years ago was already a good thing is now, there's not, there are now better things. So I think there's hope there. Let's keep praying for them. And then uh, we also, there was a death this week. John Jensen passed away. Uh, accidentally on Friday February 18th son-in-law to Betty Dick and a husband to their uh, to her daughter Kelly so um, a real adjustment for that family uh, Betty just lost her husband in December so two sudden deaths uh, unexpected deaths and that family is in grief so show your love to them and pray for them also All right I'll ask the ushers to come forward and then we will would you please rise for prayer? Our Father in heaven, we thank you this day that you have revealed yourself to us, shown yourself to us as God, and that through your Son you revealed yourself even more, and through your Spirit that you have put in those who believe. Uh, we uh, have even more knowledge and intimate relationship with you. And so we thank you, Father, that you've revealed yourself to us and that you've uh, made it possible for us to respond in faith, and we do so with great, uh, with glad and joyful hearts. Thank you, Father, that you love us. Father, we bring before you today uh, some of our concerns. We bring before you Don and Char Epp, our missionaries who... Uh, Have been home for quite a while. They're they're making plans to return, and Father, I pray that you would be with them in their planning, that you would um, direct their steps, that you would take care of the details that they don't even think of. And Father, as they as they look forward to getting back, I pray that uh, that you would prepare the way for them, uh, not only here but also in the place where they minister. So thank you, Father, for uh, caring for them and. And uh, preparing them for further ministry, we also pray that you would give them much joy in serving and that you would give them strength for it, that you would protect their faith and protect their marriage as they go into, into well, away from this place. Father, we also pray for our church. We've been in some planning sessions looking at how we want to uh, go into the future. And we know that there are a number of ideas about how, what that could look like. And so we ask, Father, for your guidance, that we might discern well and choose a good path, one that honors you and one that uh, will be good for this body. Father, we also thank you for those in our body who suffer. We know that not all suffering goes the way we hope it does. It's not always short either. And so, Father, we pray that you would accomplish your will in the lives of those who suffer. We know that it is your desire that we should walk closer with you, that we should know you, and that we should be in step with you, that we should learn to have a heart like your heart. And uh, we know that in our humanness, there are a lot of rough pieces that need to be chiseled off and filed off. And so, Father, we know that that happens through suffering. But we bring them before you this morning and pray that you would meet their needs that they would sense your comfort, that they would be strengthened by your spirit. We remember Betty Reimer and Emerson, Dorothy Giesbrecht and Wally Neufeld here at Boundary Trails. Father, would you walk with them in their suffering? And Father, we also pray for healing. You are the healer. There is no other. And so it's to you that we, we, uh, we leave this plea for healing. Father, we also bring before you those who grieve. Betty Dick, and her daughter Kelly, and the whole family, Father, as they were still grieving the the death of John uh, John Dick, and now John Jensen has also been taken. Father, we pray that you would comfort them in their grief, that you would anchor them with your peace, and that you would embrace them with your powerful arms of love. Then, Father, we also pray now as as the pandemic restrictions are lifting, and as life... uh, we're all hoping, gets to some kind of normal, we pray that you would help us also to restore relationship. Some of us have been hurt, and some of us have hurt others. And I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves enough to make make our relationships better, to, to confess what needs confessing and to forgive what needs forgiving so that we can truly, as one body, love each other and sing together and worship together without hindrance because there, is no, because there is no sin among us. We want to be clean, Father, before you. And so I pray that you would help us with that. We need your help. And now, Father, we also recognize that you have given very much to us. And having been given much, we are also responsible for much. And so, Father, as we put into the offering plate our offerings, we pray that you would use them for your kingdom and that you would also bless us as we give. We ask these things in the name of our Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
1: reading this morning comes out of us, to us, out of the book of James, the New Testament, starting with chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into the court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thus far, the reading of God's word.
2: It is good to be in the house of the Lord, especially at this time of the year. The days are getting warmer as time goes on. Although it might be cool still outside, we realize that there is more of the cold behind us than that is in front of us. And the days are certainly to be longer and warmer. Many years ago, a friend of mine had purchased some land to develop it. The land sat on the edge of a golf course. And he began building condominiums for sale. One day, I decided that I would go and take a look at them. Since it was early morning, no one was around um, except for one real estate agent. And he was wearing boots. Well, it was a rainy day. It was a drizzly day. I quickly noticed that the condos looked complete, but the landscaping still needed to be finished. And when the real estate agent came my way, I told him that I was the developer's friend, and I asked if I could have a tour of one of the units. He said, certainly, in order to enter, we walked across boards because everything was mud, yeah, Of course, as I said, it had been raining. And although he knew that I was there not to purchase a property, he was still very kind and he was willing to give his time. Once we were inside and he was taking off his boots, he told me this story. One day, a fellow wearing boots and dirty clothes walked into the real, uh, real estate office where he worked. No agent arose to service him, and no one said anything to him. That's when this agent made his way over to him and asked, How can I help you? The individual told him that he was interested in purchasing A condominium, and if he could see some, and this agent said certainly, and the way they went, he took them out. That day, that fellow, who looked like a poor person, bought three condominiums from him that day. Wow. The moral of the story is not how to spot a rich person who looks poor, but rather don't shun those who look poor and show favoritism to those who look wealthy. This morning, as we continue in our study in the book of James, entitled Encouragement for the Race and Life, we want to look at part two of the message, How to Overcome the Evil of Favoritism, part two of the message, How to Overcome the Evil of Favoritism, in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we give you thanks for the day that you have given us. We also realize, Lord, you have established the church to share your love with one another and also with the world. And, Heavenly Father, how we realize it is possible to show favoritism and for us to slip into that avenue very easy. I pray, Father, that you once again you would enlighten our hearts on how we ought to walk before you so that we can walk before you without discriminating against anyone. I pray, Father, you'd take your word, help us to apply it to our lives so that we can live in your holiness and walk in your light. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we move on to the second part of this message, let's recap last sermon on how to overcome the evil of favoritism. How to overcome the evil of favoritism. Number one, by not focusing on the outward appearance by not focusing on the outward appearances verses 1 through 4 we only just recap what it says here James tells us in verse 1 my brothers as believers in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ don't show favoritism don't show any this uh, uh, something where you will discriminate against others the problem is we can have is that we can end up treating others made in the image of God the same way we treat objects and products. If a person does not look like us, as we said um, two weeks ago, does not smell like us, act like us, dress like us, or be from the same social class, we tend to put them to the side and choose someone who is more like us or someone who we would like. That is called showing favoritism. John MacArthur adds to this by saying favoritism can be defined as preferential attitude and treatment of a person or group over another having equal claims and rights and it is unjustified partiality and then James chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 confronts this as sin and admonishes us to avoid it at all costs close quote then in the first part Of the message from from two weeks ago, we also looked, we also said that the way to overcome favoritism, the evil of favoritism, is number two, by looking to the grace of God. In verse five, it says this James says, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? The focus is on God's choosing, and when God chooses, it involves grace. Grace means a person is getting something they don't deserve. God chooses the poor as well as the rich to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. So let's not shave. Uh, let's not show favoritism to anyone, and we want to take this a uh, closer look. What does it mean to show favoritism to those around us? We come to the first part, to the first point of this morning's message, which is really the third point of the two-part message that I am bringing here, how to overcome the evil of favoritism, which is number three, by focusing on the Word of God, verses 8 through 11. By focusing on the Word of God. In verse 8, to combat the evil of favoritism, James reaches back into the Old Testament and quotes the second most important and crucial law found in the scriptures, which reads in verse 8, If you really keep the royal law found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Close quote. You see, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 36, when Jesus was asked by an expert in the law, what what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied in verses 37 and 40 of Matthew 22, Jesus said... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Close quote. There are at least three reasons why the command to love your neighbor as yourself is foundational to helping us to avoid favoritism. First, love your neighbor as yourself means that you want the best for yourself and you would like the best for your neighbor also. You and I do not wish to be excluded because of a biased fort, uh, uh, favoritism towards us and neither would we want to have our neighbor excluded by this. Second, love your neighbor as yourself is the summing up of the foundation of the law. There are, there are, Enough laws already telling us what we can and cannot do. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will want to treat them fairly. And favoritism and partiality goes directly against loving your neighbor as yourself. We don't need any more new laws. We just need a cleansed heart that will love our neighbor's as ourselves, Third, love your neighbor as yourself is the royal law. Let me repeat that. It is the royal law given by God. When one obeys the royal law, it gives a person freedom to do right. When a person's heart is filled with hatred and selfishness, they become enslaved and driven and To selfishness, they become driven to destroy anyone who is a perceived enemy. This takes the form of excluding individuals or groups by showing favoritism to certain other groups or to certain other people. On the other hand the royal law love your neighbor as yourself gives one freedom not to show favoritism and to treat everyone equal a equal in regards to claims and rights James continues in verses 9 through 11 by saying this But if you show favoritism you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers for everyone who keeps the whole law yet stumbles on just one point is is guilty of breaking all of them for he said do not he, do not commit murder also or pardon me do not commit adultery also do not murder if one commits adultery but does not commit uh, uh, but do commit murder you have become a lawbreaker, close quote. Verse 9 indicates that showing favoritism and partiality is always wrong. Many other scripture passages also demonstrate that God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, God is fair when it comes to judging everyone. He will not bend the law for no one, no matter who you may be. An example is when a bank states to all employees that the doors are to be locked at 555. Then that is the requirement. That is the law. That, what's, that is what needs to take place. However, if one respects a person who comes to the door, they may let them in at 5.56, while another person they would never let in. Thus, the employee becomes a lawbreaker. They're a discriminator. They show favoritism. In verse 9, James clarifies that showing favoritism, partiality, bias, Prejudice, discrimination, preference, or leaning is a sin, and one becomes a lawbreaker when one does it. However, however, it is even more serious because according to verse 10, one becomes guilty of breaking the whole law when one breaks one of the laws. Notice in verse Eleven, the two social sins that he lists, adultery and murder. Both of these are punishable by death, and perhaps James wants to emphasize, this, emphasize the seriousness of favoritism. John MacArthur says this, The Jews tended to regard the law as a series of detached commandments, to keep one of those laws was to gain credit. To break one was to, in, to incur debt. Therefore, a man could add up the ones he kept and subtract the ones he broke and, as it were, emerge with a moral credit or a debit credit close quote. That is what so many people believe today. They really do. They think that they do not have to worry as long as their good deeds outweigh their evil deeds, because God will accept them if that happens. But of course, it is not scriptural at all. The standard is perfection according to Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. God calls us to be holy as he himself is holy. And none of us can attain to this except for the imputed righteousness that comes to to us through Christ on the basis of faith. However, the message clarifies what James is communicating to us, showing favoritism, partiality, bias prejudice discrimination is sin which can happen subtly which can happen subtly without us even knowing it we can end up doing not even realizing we're making choices on that basis many years ago i watched a documentary regarding the hiring practices of companies to the best of my memory this is what Took place. An organization had sent out groups of people who had exceptional qualifications for the jobs that they were applying for. One example was an accounting firm, and then there were also many other careers that were being listed. The groups of people sent to the companies to apply for the positions were in two categories all the time. There were a number of each of them all the time. Here are the categories. They were short people and tall people. They were balding and full head of hair. And I knew I was in trouble when I was going to be watching this. There was slim and overweight. There was beautiful and not so beautiful and so forth. In other words, they were putting out before before the companies what the people looked like on the outside. Unfortunately, even though these outward appearances had no bearings on the qualifications for the job, such as being an accountant, it, shameful results emerged. Those who were tall, had full heads of hair, were slim and were beautiful, attained more jobs than those who were not. Wow, talk about discrimination. And it happens as these people were come to be hired. Isn't it interesting? And could we discriminate by looking towards others' outward appearance and make our judgments and therefore put them aside because they just don't seem to measure up? Once again, this is an example what James is addressing when it comes to showing favoritism, partiality, prejudice, discrimination, and so forth. That's why showing favoritism is so evil. That's why as believers in Christ who call themselves Christians and call themselves as people who are followers of God and who are to reflect God and his values, that when we do such things as this, God frowns on it, but not only frowns on it, calls us law breakers. This leads us to our final thought on how to overcome the evil of favoritism, which is number four, by knowing we will be judged according to our behavior. We will be judged according to our behavior, verses 12 through 13 favoritism and partiality is such serious sin it will be met with divine judgment according to james chapter 12 uh, james chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 listen as i read these two verses verse 12 says speak And act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Although believers will not stand at the great white throne judgment. Which is reserved for only those who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, found in Revelations 20, verses 11 through 15, all believers will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Warnersby points out that there will be that we will be judged in three ways. Here are the three ways that we will be judged. First, according to our words, the words that we have spoken, Matthew twelve thirty six, and we are to be careful that no idle words slip out of our mouth. Why the words? Because what comes out of our mouth shows what is within our heart. And actually, if we want good things to come out of our mouth, we must change what is in our heart. Second, according to our deeds that we have done, we will be judged, Colossians 3, 22 through 25. And third, according to our judgment of others, verse 13 in chapter 2 here. Now, in regards to our judgment of others in verse 13, Warren Worsby says, James contrasts two attitudes, showing mercy to others and refusing to show mercy. So we have two attitudes, showing mercy, being merciful, and then refusing to show mercy. If we have been merciful towards others, God can be merciful and will be merciful to us. However, we must not twist the truth into a lie. It does not mean that we can earn mercy by showing mercy, because that is impossible to do, to earn mercy. If it is earned, it is not mercy, nor does it mean that we should be soft on sin and never judge it in the lives of others. I don't condemn anyone, a man once told me, and God won't condemn me either. How wrong he was. Close quote. Mercy and justice go always hand in hand. If a person is has a repentant heart and places his faith in Christ, there will be mercy. However, the opposite is true. With no faith and repentance, there is only justice and judgment. Without forgiving our brothers, our Heavenly Father will not forgive us, according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, that follows the Lord's Prayer. James calls all believers not to show favoritism or partiality to anyone. God wants everyone to deal with God wants everyone to deal with others fairly because this is the way that the Lord deals with us. And the Lord wants us to show mercy towards others because mercy always triumphs over judgment. I close with a story from our daily bread written by Kirsten Holmberg. When my children were were squabbling and came to me to tattle on one another, I took each child aside separately to hear their account of the problem. Since both were guilty at the end of the chat, I asked them each what they felt would be appropriate, fair consequence for, this, for their siblings' action. Both have suggested swift punishment to the other. To their surprise, I instead gave them each the consequences they had intended for their sibling. Suddenly each child lamented how unfair the sentence seemed now that it was visited upon them, despite having deemed it appropriate when it was intended for the other. My kids had shown the kind of judgment without mercy that God warns us in James chapter 2 verse 13. James reminds us that instead of showing favoritism to the wealthy or even to oneself, God desires that we love others as we love ourselves, according to verse 8. Instead of using others for our selfish gain or disregarding anyone whose position doesn't benefit us, James instructs us to act as people who know how much. We've been for how much we've been given and forgiven, and to extend that mercy to others. God has given generously His mercy to us in all our dealings with others. Let us remember the mercy he show, He's shown us and extend it to others. Close quote as we look at our lives as we try to understand and to distinguish between what is favoritism and what is not let us remember there are principles laid down in the scriptures and simply by by looking at the outward appearance and never looking at the inside we can show discrimination we can show favoritism we can hurt other individuals without us sometimes even relying as we walk, let us remember what James has said. Let us not show favoritism.
0: That's a good challenge, isn't it? really requires me to look at myself. Let's sing a closing hymn together, 426. The work is thine, O Christ. 426.
2: So Paul says to us, finally, brothers, goodbye, aim for perfection, listen to my appeal, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. May the grace, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we thank you for the scriptures that have made clear to us on how we are to live towards one another. We are to treat one another fairly, without showing discrimination. Help us to realize that by our decisions, we reflect also how you make decisions. May we be so in tune with you, so that when others see us, they can see Christ, and they will see you. Now I pray, Father, as we go our separate ways, give us the grace and the strength to live this week as you have called us to live, being holy and yet, although separate from the world, to be examples and to reach out to others. Go with us now. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may go in his spirit and grace.